Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Romans chapter 7. I want you to go to Romans chapter 7. And I just want to tell you, church, I love you, and I just thank you for believing in a vision and being committed to a vision where we want people to meet Jesus. And then you've been Jesus. You keep being Jesus. You keep growing in what that means. And it is changing people's lives. Amen to that? I just want to ask, how many here would just put their hand up and say, I have been impacted by Jesus through this church? Put your hand up. Look around. See, that's, that's why we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Lives are being transformed. Amen? They're being transformed. So we're going to be in Romans 7. And I want to talk about, as we're wrapping up a series, I want to talk about the cycle of destruction. I want to talk about a pattern of thought, a cycle of thinking that spirals us into ineffectiveness. Satan continues to plant thoughts And he keeps, if you will, breathing into them, pouring fuel on them, and they're wrong thoughts. And I shared with you, we started two weeks ago, Pastor Mike Cuckler was here, and Mike shared with you about Gideon, the story, and how it begins to happen where we we start believing lies, and those lies truly, if you will, transform our lives, not for the good. And there's a cycle of destruction that happens But I'm also going to give you a cycle of success, how you can overcome and win in this battle. But I want to set it up by telling you something, and I want to to use this by illustration. There is a reality that is going on right now in our world, but it's a reality that we don't give much thought to anymore. In some ways, it saddens me, but it helps you get a glimpse of a cycle of destruction and how the devil works. Now, here's the reality that most people don't realize. We're still a nation at war. There are men and women with an American flag on their uniform who, as we are in the comforts of this, they're not. And I just wonder how many of us, please don't raise your hand, how many of us have even thought about him this week? We even offered up a prayer for them. And yet they're fighting for their lives and wondering if they're ever going to see this land again. Will they ever touch their loved ones, their children We're a nation at war. And yet how few even pay mind to it. And you may not even know this. This war is much more unique than any other war we have fought. Did you know that right now this war that's happening around our world is now the longest war ever fought in the history 
of America? Isn't that interesting? But greater still, and I don't say this with any disparaging mind toward what's happening right now. There's another war. And it's been going on since the day you were born. It's a war that's all around us. It's a war that keeps coming at us. It's a war that's always present within us. And yet, like a current war that's happening right now in this country, we hardly ever acknowledge this. And we wonder why we're losing. You see, this war is the one that's happening between your ears. Every day of your life, greater than any other war because what's happening here affects here and it gets walked out here and it has eternal implications all over it. And yet we hardly ever even pay mind of it. Can I tell you the greatest lie that the devil's ever told those who claim to be followers of Christ in this country? Do you know what it is? The greatest lie. What is it? He doesn't exist. You can say, I believe he exists. Where you're on your knees this morning praying to the one that the only one who can overcome him. Listen to how Christians talk about one another. Look at this stuff in the name of God they post in social media. All of that is evidence of the fact that they bought into the lie and they don't think Satan exists. We walk around as if he's not even there. This is why I share with you. We need to figure some things out. There is a war that's going on, people. And your marriage, your children, your friends, your family are being shredded by the devil himself. And the church doesn't even care. Like, I, I just have to ask, if we sang the songs that you like, help me understand how that's going to help save your child. But boy, that's worth going to a different church over, isn't it? You see, see how it works? There's a war. And it is more bloodier than anything we've ever known in the history of flesh and blood. And when you understand that, you'll get a little bit more picture of what really happened on that cross that day. And the victory that Jesus Christ won. And the church stood at the foot of that cross and were more happy that Jesus was dying than for the most part that he would one day rise again. For it was the church that crucified him. 
And there's something wrong with that picture, people. Are we still doing it today? More than we dare to want to admit? See, this is why two weeks ago when Pastor Mike said, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. There is a battle and it's raging. But not only do we need to wake up, we need to engage. It's time for us to get into the fight. It's time for us to be a part of the battle. Because I said last week, how you think shapes everything in your life. And if you walk through life believing that the devil doesn't exist, your thoughts will not be consumed by a God who's alive and well. Let me say that again. If we don't wake up and engage in a battle, and if we keep walking through life as if Satan doesn't exist, we will never walk through life living for a God who's alive and well. Why do we need to tell our neighbors about Jesus if we don't believe the devil exists? You see how it happens? This is real stuff, people. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, we're not battling against flesh and blood, which means we don't have what it takes to win this war. We need something bigger. We need something stronger. We need something victorious. We need someone who is Jesus Christ. And I just want to add this. To confess what we don't possess. You ready for this? What it takes to win at this war? It's not a sign of weakness, people. It's actually the beginning of your strength. That's what it means to really understand who Christ is. I don't have the ability to change a life. Hallelujah. But I know the one who does. I don't have the ability to transform a community. But hallelujah, I know the one who does. You see how it works? Because I know there's a devil trying to destroy people's lives, but I know the one who can overcome if they would actually surrender and believe. And the only way they're going to know is if I tell them. How about you? The answer is in Jesus. And so I want to help you, if you will. I told you, we're going to look at a cycle of destruction, but I also want to look at a cycle of success. But here's the thing that I've learned in life. Sometimes to know where you need to go, you have to know where you've been and how it works. And so I'm going to show you this cycle of destruction, and I'm going to show you what Jesus did, and I trust it'll change your life. So if you have Romans chapter 7, I'm going to begin in the 14th verse. Romans 7, verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law. For it is spiritual and good. What's he talking about? The word of God only becomes legalistic if you don't get what I'm talking about. See, the word of God has power. Wrongly used, it becomes destructive. The word isn't the problem. It's the one who's delivering it. You, you follow that? So the trouble is not with the word of God, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. 
For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. Can someone say amen? Amen. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, I would circle, if you will, I know. We'll come back to that in a moment. But if I know that what am I doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. When's the last time you admitted that to yourself? That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody feel that way? I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And here it comes. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I told you I want to give you a cycle of destruction. And I want to hopefully... God is going to show up in an unbelievable way. And you're going to see what true surrender is and the incredible power that Christ gave us because I'm pretty sure that I just read something that you might have missed. But it's in the answer and it changes everything. So I want to first talk about what happens when we try to fight with our own might. And I want to show you what Jesus does. And why the word matters and how we win victorious at this battle that we don't spiral into ineffectiveness, but we experience success the way that God wanted. Here's the first thing that Paul tells us in the cycle of destruction. The first thing that happens is we get put out. Say it with me. We get put out. It's the first thing that happens. What he's talking about is we get confused, we get bewildered, we get perplexed. Have you ever said, I just don't get it? Have you ever said those words? I mean, you're trying to figure it out, but it seems like you just can't get to the other side. You try to do what's right, and it's like, man, I don't get it. I just don't understand it. Look at verse 15. I do not understand what I am doing. Anybody been there? For I'm not practicing what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. And precisely what happens when we try to do what we cannot do in our own strength. You and I will never defeat the enemy. And God made sure of that. You and I will never defeat the enemy. 
You just as well tie meat around your neck and jump in a lion's cage. I'm just telling you. You're toast. That's why we don't get it. That's why we feel put out. Like, I just don't understand. Six times in this one verse, Paul identifies himself in first person. I want, I want you to circle those, if you would. If you got your Bible, circle them. Look what he says. I do not understand what I am doing, for I am not practicing what I want to do. But I do the very thing I hate. Six times. And in this one verse, you get the key to understanding the entire cycle of destruction. And yet I wonder how many people miss it. It's crazy amazing how many times in conversations during the week that you will reference yourself and completely miss the cycle of destruction. If you were to read the next 12 verses, Paul will use I 27 times, my six times, me six times, and myself two times. In all, he will use first-person pronouns 41 times in 12 verses. I don't know if you ever heard of Walt Kelly. He was an artist with a syndicated daily newspaper comic from 1948 to 1975. Some of you older people will remember. It was called Pogo. Anybody remember Pogo? Well, in 19... A few people. Wait. Okay. <laughs> In 1970, I'm actually very familiar with quite a few of them, but in 1970, he printed one of his most famed, and you can see it on the screen, with the tagline underneath, we have met the enemy and he is us. We've met the enemy and he is us. Here's the deal. Paul had an eye problem, and you and I do too. It's why we chase the things we chase, because it's all about you. You can play it all you want. But I simply ask you, how do you view failure? Is that a pessimistic word or is it an optimistic word? How do you... Deal with mistakes. Quick to confess or try to cover up. Are you quick to forgive or hold on to what others have done in doing you wrong? You see, unforgiveness is not the evidence of how you've been hurt. It's the evidence that you've got an eye problem. It's still about you. Do you tell other people about what other people have done to you? All of those are evidences of an eye problem, and it's a cycle of destruction. I want you to repeat after me. I am, I am. my biggest problem. Here's the second thing that happens then in this cycle when we try to fight with our own might. is the first thing that happens is we get put out, but then all of a sudden... When we get confused, we start feeling a little beat up. Can anybody admit and say amen to that? Amen. It's just true. Look at verse 16. I know perfectly well what I'm doing is wrong. Notice what he said. And my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws I'm breaking. You know what Paul's saying? I know what I'm doing. That's why I don't get it. That's why I'm so put out. I'm so confused. I don't understand. I'm trying to do what's right. 
And yet I end up messing it up in the, in the first place. And I know exactly what I was doing. It makes absolutely no sense. This word conscience that you saw in the verse is actually Latin. You know what it means? It means knowledge. You know what Paul's saying? I'm in full knowledge of everything I've done. Which, by the way, I want to help you with something because here lies the problem. See, this is why you're confused. Because Satan already got us in that moment of saying, I just don't get it. You know what Paul's saying? But you actually do. You ready for this? Sin never happens out of ignorance. It happens out of intention. You can lie to yourself all you want. I don't understand, Pastor. I just woke up and there's a woman naked there. I don't even know how she got there. I don't understand, Pastor. Officer pulled me over. I didn't know I was going over the speed limit. I just didn't understand where everybody was going by so fast. You know what I mean? See, see, we're always really good at it. We're always justifying. And Satan's taken us in the very direction that he wants us to go. We know what we're doing. By the way, that's why we feel guilt and shame. The problem is we don't deal with it rightly. We start making excuses. And all of a sudden we start feeling beat up. So the next thing that happens is, is in this cycle is now we're out of step. Can I help you what I mean by that? Look at verse 17. If I keep doing these bad things, watch what he says. I get addicted to them. But I can't help myself. It's like I'm no longer doing it. It's the sin inside me. And I guess it's stronger than I am. And it is. That's the problem. It is stronger than you. And it, thus it makes me do these evil things. I'm now out of step. I've developed patterns and habits and addictions. But here's the problem we don't want to admit in the church. I want to tell you something about sin. You ready for this? It's fun. Sin is fun. If it weren't, we wouldn't do it. Dude, if sin was like giving birth to Bob Wire, you'd only do it once. Okay? I mean, if sin was like rotating your toenails. You're like, okay, we, I got this one. I mean, we do. We'd stop and go, what kind of person keeps rotating their toenails? I don't get it. Sin is fun. And by the way, the Bible even agrees with it. In Hebrews 11, you know what it says? There is pleasure in sin for a short time. See, you ready for this? Swiping the credit card is fun. <laughs> Eating more than we should? Mmm. Can someone say buffet? Okay. <laughs> Hanging out and partying with friends? Who wouldn't want to do that? It's just the payments and the interest that comes later that sucks. See, it's the indigestion and the needless calories that bite. <laughs> no pun intended. Okay? It's the morning toilet worship, right? <laughs> See, here's what you need to write. With every kick, there's always kickbacks. But Satan knows that. That's why he whispers in our ear. See, he gets us all confused. 
He he messes the whole thing up. Instead of us going, okay, there's a sin about us and we don't have the ability to accomplish it. But we think, if I just go to church, if I just do this, if I just do that, you can do it all. That's what Paul meant when 1 Corinthians 13, when he says, you can give your body to the poor. You can do all these great things, but if you have not love, he's not talking about what you give if you have not love. Love doesn't start here. That's the evidence of what's here. See, we get the verse wrong. We read it at a wedding and we think it's outward, but watch this. Love is patient. His love is kind. His love is never jealous, envious, boastful, or proud. His love never demands its own way. There's three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. See, see, it's not here. Why do marriages struggle? Because it's not here. Reciting God's word at your wedding doesn't change the marriage. It's inviting the word to the wedding and into the marriage that changes the marriage. We don't have the ability to love. We don't have the ability to do what's right. There's this sin within us. And so Satan gets us going, ah, you, just, you, just, ah, you don't get it, do you? I see it. Doesn't make sense, doesn't it? I mean, don't you? What an idiot. Aren't you just kind of stupid, aren't you? And we start going, ah, you ever heard these words from God's people? It's just the way I am. You know what the answer is? Uh-huh. And it'll be always the way you'll be until you meet Jesus. (laughs) And then we die to that old nature. We get a new nature. And that new nature is built on the truth of God, not the lies of the devil. You see how it works? And all of it's happening in our minds all the time. And he knows this. Which brings me then to the next step. When we try to fight with our own might. Now we're out of step. And now we start feeling a little bit done in. Isn't that what happens? We get confused. Who do I? I'm nothing. It's just the way I am. And now you start really going the extra mile in the wrong direction. And some of you have made an art of this. You're like the quintessential pro. I'm such a loser. I'm so stupid. I'm such an idiot. And some of you have been telling yourself that lie for so long. And it's a lie. You got an eye problem. The middle letter of sin is what? The middle letter of lie is what? I. It's just what I'm, it's who I am. Look at verse 18. Paul's writing, I know I'm rotten inside. Who told him that? Let's make it more personal. Who told him that? Paul did. 
Paul did. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. And you never will be able to, Paul. When I want to do good, I don't. When I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. If I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's plain where the trouble is. Me! That's the problem. You see how it works? I I want you to look at at a little story with me. I just kind of want to tell you. It's by Arnold Lobel. Maybe you've heard of him. He has a series of books called Frog and Toad Together. One of the stories is called Cookies that I want to read from. Here's how it kind of goes. Toad made some cookies. These cookies smell really good, said Toad. He ate one and they tasted even better. So Toad ran over to Frog's house. Frog, Frog, cried Toad. Taste one of these cookies I made. Frog ate one of his cookies. These are the best cookies I've ever eaten, said Frog. Frog and Toad ate many, many cookies. You know, Toad, said Frog, I think we should stop eating. We'll soon be sick. You're right, said Toad. Let us eat one more cookie. Then we will stop. So Frog and Toad ate one last cookie, but there were many, many more cookies still left in the bowl. Frog said, let us eat one more, and then we'll stop eating. Frog and Toad ate one last cookie. We must stop eating, cried Toad as he ate another. Yes, said Frog as he ate another. We need willpower. What's willpower, asked Toad. Willpower is trying hard not to do something that you really want to do. You mean like not eating all these cookies? Right, said Frog. So Frog put the cookies in a box there, said Frog. Now we won't eat anymore. But we can open the box, said Toad. That is true. So Frog tied some string around the box. There, he said, now we will not eat any more cookies. But Toad said, we can cut the string and open the box. (laughs) That is true, said Frog. So Frog got a ladder and put the box high on a shelf. There, said Frog, now we will not eat any more cookies, but we can climb the ladder, take the box down and cut the string. That is true, said Frog. So Frog climbed up the ladder, took down the box, cut the string and opened the box. Then Frog took the box outside and threw all the cookies in the ground. Hey, birds, he said, here's some free cookies. Birds came from everywhere, picked up all the cookies and flew away. Now we have no more cookies, said Frog, but we have lots and lots of willpower. Toad said, you can keep it. I'm going home to bake a cake. (laughs) Anybody ever feel that way? What's the point, right? Every way we turn. I tried church. Didn't work, pastor. Never will. I tried a life group. Didn't work. Never will. Pastor, I even read the Bible. I've tried to read it, but I don't get the point. Never will. Just never will. And when we try to fight with our own might, we're so much in the cycle. Whoops, it's over. I'm done. I quit. And do you know why? And I think that's our problem. See, that's the cycle of destruction and a lot of people in the church are there right now. And why they come to church on the weekend and they leave 
not empowered. Do you know why? Because the only reason they came to church was to find some relief rather than a redeemer. And the church doesn't have the ability to only do what Jesus Christ did. And when you get Christ, now you get the church, but you'll never get the church to find Christ. That's why people go, I've been around God's people and they're just messed up like I am. <laughs> well, that might be the smartest thing you've ever said, okay? Because <laughs> we are. And we're really glad you're here because we can take one more. But we have this great heavenly father, amen? You see how it works? We get put out. We start feeling beat up. We're out of step. We start developing patterns we shouldn't develop. And they're not working. We're done in, and we just want to quit. And it just keeps circling out of control, keeps circling out of control. And that's exactly what destruction, this cycle does. Are you ready for this? But there's hope. There is a way, and it's the cycle of success. But it will never be found in ourselves, our efforts, or our strength. It's found in one word, surrender. Dying to self, when you understood, it changes everything. You ready for this? It's one thing to know Christ. It's another to truly be in Christ. Amen. Look what Paul says in verse 24. He doesn't say, what will free me? He says, who will free me from this life dominated by sin? Thank God the answer is through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Ah, having a little problem here, aren't we? The word is Lord. Even though it says Savior in there. Jesus didn't come to be Savior. That's what he did in the cross. He came to be your Lord. See, see I want to help you with this. Having Jesus is not enough. He doesn't want your heart. He wants you to have his heart. I want you to catch this. The Bible says the human heart is wicked. Why would God want your wicked heart? And if surrender means to die to self, then he needs that heart to die so he can put a new heart in you that changes everything. Amen. What happened on the cross was the death of our heart. What happened in the resurrection is the gift of his. I've overcome We're to surrender our heart. We're to die to that. So we have this new nature. He doesn't want to be Savior. He wants to be Lord. If I could say it another way, is he doesn't want to take up residence in our life. He wants to be president of our life. He wants to be fully, completely in charge, the boss, the CEO, the one calling all the shots. He wants you and I to put a sign on our life right over our heart says, under new management. See, it's not a what. It's a who. But I want you to understand what Paul says here, and I don't want you to miss this. Because the change happens when you understand something that Paul just said, and I told you so many people miss it. Who? Who will free me, free me, notice that, from this life dominated by sin. Back during Roman days, they didn't like putting people in prison. 
They didn't like paying for people. (laughs) Back in Roman days, when you murdered somebody, they would take the person you killed and chain them to your body. And then they would let you go. And you'd drag around the dead corpse being reminded every day of what you did. And the only way that corpse would come off is after it would decay enough and fall off. Can I help you understand what Paul's saying? Some of you, I love the Lord, but you keep walking around with the past. And you don't have the ability to cut the chain. And this is the problem in the church today. You keep dragging around the sin of the past. That's why the devil has a hold on. He keeps telling you, yeah, you are a loser. I thought you believed in this Jesus. And you keep walking around, dragging these corpses of the past. And that's why Paul said, it's no longer where I've been. It's who I know and where I'm going. I press on because he has freed me. He has liberated me from the sin of the past. The devil has no more power. I don't have to think about it anymore. Who will free me? Not a what? But that's the problem, isn't it? We love, we're looking for that one book, that self-help book. If I could just learn this leadership, if I could just have these five principles, then my life will be better. There is no such a thing as freedom in a self-help. There's no freedom in it. There's no freedom in it. Freedom is not in a principle, it's not in a program, and it's not in a pill. It's not in a diet, it's not in a drug, it's not even in a discipline. The answer is through Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Lord. Who can break this chain from my past? My Lord. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. The old's gone, the old's gone. There's a new come. And yet, what does Satan do? All right, I'm okay with that. But then we don't get into the truth to learn about who we really are. That's why it's a cycle. He just keeps going at it. But I want to show you what Jesus does. See, someone once said, if you wake up in the morning and you don't run into the devil... It's probably because you're going in the same direction. <laughs> See, we're going we're gonna to talk about this more because I'm going to share you something about the Father because as you know, for Easter, we're not going to talk about the Son. We're going to talk about the Father. For God so loved the world that he sent his Son. I want to help people understand the Father who would give his own Son for us and the beauty of it. And there's something about the Father that people miss over and over again and I want to help you with Because when Jesus comes along, the world's doing this, and he goes, and he goes another direction. You ready for this? Because in Jesus, it's not over. You're now over it. Flip. You're not done in. You've been undone. Flip. You're not out of step. You now can step it out. You're not beat up. You now have a reason to be upbeat. 
for the joy of the Lord in my strength. You ready for this? I'm not put out. I have a brand new output. He flips it. That's what it means to surrender. When we die to self, he flips it and puts true life in us. He puts his pneuma in us, his Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak into us truth that is real truth. He begins to teach us what Jesus really said. He never leaves us. He's with us always. And there's victory in Jesus. And that's why I'm here to tell you. It's why I read the Bible. I don't read the Bible to get more knowledge. I read the Bible because it's transformational news. And it tells me who I am. So when the devil starts saying, you remember the past? I can say, let me tell you about your future. There's victory in Jesus, people. This is the cycle of, of, of success. Satan just pours into us all these lies. But success comes in Jesus, and he turns it all around. I'm over it because of the cross. I'm not done, and I've been undone. I have a brand new step. I got the joy of the Lord, and I'm going to tell the world about it. Because it's not me. It's Christ in me. Lord, Lord. Does that make sense? Where are you at? I'm going to invite the team here. Where are you at? Do you know the who or you been keep looking for what? It's not out there, folks. It's not in the world. I love a good book, but you're not going to find it in Barnes & Noble unless you go to the Christian section and pick up the holy truth of God's word. It's not going to be found in any human Christian author. It's going to be found in the one that they're talking about. And if he's not in that book, it's the focus. That's not a Christian author. God knew what we needed. Easter's not a holiday. It was a holy day. The world was completely flipped upside down. And there's a name that's above all names that if you don't know him, that name becomes an offensive name. Anybody can say, I'm a Christian. The question is, is Christ your Lord? Is your life his life? Or are you trying to make his life part of your life? Won't work. I'll have no other gods before me. I'm the Lord God. It's not about church. This is the fruit of it. I don't come here because I have to. I come here because I want to. I'm in the house of the Lord. It's a moment right now. The world, you can, you can go do what you want. I'm in the house of the Lord. I'm with other brothers and sisters who commune with me as a community of believers because under the name of Jesus, we've been born in different places, haven't we? If we shouted those out, it would sound like a hodgepodge of just racket. But if I said, who's your Lord and Savior, we would all say it in unison, Jesus, Jesus. And in that one name, we become one. The power of Jesus. That's what this church is about. I don't want to play church. I want to be his church. And I can't be his church if we don't understand the who, not the what, the who, who turns everything upside down. And our world has never been the same, all because of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Father, you're awesome. How do we even begin to fathom? You're so good. 
You're not mad at anybody in this room right now. You're not out to get anybody. You came that we would have life and life to the full. You came to remove a sin problem and turn our lives upside down that as we die to self, now we get resurrected in a new, redeemed. You didn't come to be relief. You came to change everything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. Do you know him, people? Have you made him Lord by accepting his salvation, surrendering your life right now and saying, God, I I have a sin problem. It's me. There's this nature in me that I cannot overcome. And you knew that. That's why you gave us Jesus. And Lord, when we die to self, we get resurrected anew. Someone say amen to that. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.